And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday edition of the fo- football Monday, sorry, Monday evening QB football edition on a Tuesday night. That was Alone Again or by the Damned. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden, here on Jamal About Sports. I, I figured that song would be apropos, uh, the name of the band, not the song. Uh, again, is the damned, and uh, apparently I'm just damned eternally to never uh, have a pro football team that's going to uh, make the Super Bowl, let alone win one, uh, because after this latest horrific defeat by the Lions, uh, it is uh, quite clear that this team is going absolutely nowhere. Um, so big football show to get to. We'll also talk some college football. We'll talk a little bit of the Knicks and NBA news and notes as well. But, uh, I just spoiled the teaser there for you. Uh, we're going to start out with the lions and listen, there are many, many issues, um, with this team three, you know, you had the, the first game of the year was a horror show at home against the Jets, who, by the way, just got whooped at home by the hapless Bills, 41-10. And that's the team the Lions got blown out by. New coach, the whole thing, Monday night football at home, and were embarrassed by the Jets. No offense to my Jets fans, friends out there, but that's a joke. We're getting blown out by San Francisco. Came back, made it a game. Of course, dumb plays, penalties, drop passes, conspired to lose them that game against San Francisco. This is when Garoppolo was still playing. Uh, and then it looked like they righted the ship. Got the win over the Patriots on Sunday night. I will still maintain the Patriots are not that good, folks. As evidenced by their blowout loss to the Titans. Not, not that the Titans are bad. But the Patriots got blown out by the Titans on Sunday. Um, and yes, I understand that they won in a wild shootout against the Chiefs, and that's the Chiefs' only loss. Um, look, as long as Brady's there, the Patriots are going to be relevant, but they're not that good. That defense is not that good. Anyway, I digress. So everybody got excited about the Lions win over the Patriots, plus the Patriots are missing Trey Flowers, their best defensive lineman. And so the Lions' offensive line looked like it was good in that game had the game against the Packers which was weird right you had Mason Crosby all of a sudden forgot how to kick Rodgers fumbled a couple of times lines actually recovered you know stuff that usually never happens happened in that game and of course the Lions ended up hanging on for dear life kind of at the end when a game should have been a blowout but the Lions couldn't put the Packers away because they kept settling for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns and then they went on the road against Miami. And look, I'll admit it. I got fooled. And I'm not saying Miami. I mean, I know Miami's not a great team. They're a mediocre team. But it was in Miami. And they had just come off beating the Bears. And, again, it was a team that we hadn't seen, at least during the Matthew Stafford era, which was a team that ran the ball extremely effectively. No dumb penalties in that game. Played good enough defense in that game. Stafford was efficient, turnover-free, and it looked like perhaps things had turned a corner. I mean, look, I understand. You you can't make too much out of one game either way, but this is now three weeks in a row. They got pretty much blown out at home against Seattle, and you wanted to make excuses. Oh, okay. 
you know, Seattle was coming off a bye. Seattle's a pretty good team. Eh, still, I said going into that week, I, I know Seattle's no pushover. You've got to figure out a way to win that game. It's a conference game at home. Got to win. Got to build on the win against Miami or else it doesn't mean much, and they lost. Then they got embarrassed by the Vikings in Minnesota. Oh, the, sorry. Then they traded Golden Tate, their best wide receiver. Then they got blown out and embarrassed by the Vikings, and then they just got blown out and embarrassed by the Bears, back-to-back division road games. So there they sit. It's 3-6. and six. Um, The offensive line, which has been a a source of consternation ever since the general manager, Bob Quinn, arrived here three years ago. Uh, Now, every single one of the players on the offensive line, starters and backups, were brought here by Bob Quinn. And the line's offensive line, folks, at this point, is just non-competitive. It's non-competitive. I mean, when I watch Taylor Decker get literally put flat on his back by Khalil Mack, that's non-competitive. And I don't want to hear that Khalil Mack's an all-pro. I understand. I'm aware. I know Khalil Mack's one of the best pass rushers in this league. Taylor Decker was a first-round pick. He's not supposed to suck, okay? He's not supposed to get knocked flat on his back. You know, you're going to get beat for a sack here or there. I get it. But to be completely non-competitive and embarrassed like that. Rick Wagner coming off an atrocious performance against Daniil Hunter at all and the Vikings the week before was a horror show again against the Bears. And again, Khalil Mack did, his, did, did, did damage against them on, on that side as well. They moved them all over the line. And yes, I'm aware Khalil Mack is good. But um, hello, Rick Wagner at the time, just a scant two years ago, was the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. Again, he's not supposed to just be a guy who's holding on for dear life against the league's best pass rushers. He's supposed to neutralize those guys. That's why you pay him all that money. He's been terrible. He wasn't any good last year, and he stinks this year. And T.J. Lang, who's a great guy and a cut-up and has a great sense of humor, and I get it, and plays well when he plays, unfortunately, he never plays. Hurt again. And Kerry Wiggins, his backup, I'm sorry, folks, not an NFL-quality player. Look, teams have figured it out. Attack the Lions at the edges. The Lions' tackles are subpar. They're subpar. And you can't play in this league when you have a bad offensive line and your tackles are bad. Look at the Giants. So, anyway. um, It's a mess. I mean, the defense was a complete mess against the Bears. No Darius Slay. And they're really starting to feel the effects of no Jamal Agnew either, who is their top nickel guy, because now everybody's got to say, without him, you've got to move Lawson into the nickel. The other problem is that T's Tabor isn't any good. And after a horrendous game against the Vikings and Seattle, he barely even played against the Bears. That's with Darius Slay starting corner, missing the game due to an injury. I mean, folks... Tease Tabor was a second-round pick last year out of Florida with major question marks due to the fact that he ran like a 4 7 
But Bob Quinn is on record as saying, I've studied more tape on him than any player in my career. And I'm convinced this guy can play. Well, you would appear to be dead wrong because he can't play. I didn't like the pick at the time. Again, I talked myself into it, which is always the kiss of death. Anytime you got to try to talk yourself into a draft pick that your team makes, it almost always is a bad pick. And the fact that Jared Davis, the first-round pick from last year, isn't any good uh, is also a major problem. So look, Bob Quinn was brought in here, okay, and Martin Mayhew did not do a good job. I understand that. All you need to know is after the Lions cut Amir Abdullah, former second-round pick at a Nebraska in the 2015 draft, Mayhew's last draft here, the Lions have exactly one player left from that draft class only three years later, and that's Quandre Diggs, who was a sixth-round pick. Now, Quandre Diggs is a nice player. He's not a star, but he's a nice, solid player. Lions think he's a star. That's another problem. But um, they ask him to do things that he's physically incapable of doing, like guarding tight ends who are 6'5 and 6'6, even though he's maybe 5'9, so that even when he's in perfect position, he's still going to lose because just physically guys are just going to reach over him that have almost a foot on him. But anyway, I digress. So let's take a look at Bob Quinn's. Let's examine Bob Quinn's drafts so far. 20... 16 draft, right? Because what do we always say on this show? You got to wait two, three years to make a proper evaluation. Okay. Well, we're in the third season now of the 2016 draft. First round pick, Taylor Decker, subpar. Second round pick, Ashawn Robinson. Has flashed at times, but certainly has not been an impact player. Does not make any splash plays, save for the interception he got for the touchdown from the one-yard line last year against the Saints in a game the Lions got blown out in anyway. Doesn't make a ton of splash plays. Gives you nothing in the pass rush at all. Nothing. Gets into the backfield here and there. Can be stout at the point of attack here and there. But at best right now, he's a solid rotational defensive lineman. Sorry. You need better than that in second-round picks. Third round pick, Graham Glasgow, starting center, has started at guard. He's been starting a center for the last two years. Now, to his credit, he hasn't missed a snap, let alone a game. But he's also the starting center on one of the worst offensive lines in football. <laughs> so I, I would say, at best, Graham Glasgow is an average NFL starter, which from a third round pick, I guess, okay, you can live with that. Fourth-round pick, Miles Killebrew. Now, look, I'm not going to kill Quinn for this pick because I love the guy coming out of college. But the fact remains, he's a fourth-round pick, and all you get from him is special teams. Not good enough. Fifth-round pick, Joe Dahl. Backup guard, not very good. Only reason he's on, because if he was any good, he'd be starting at right guard when T.J. Lang is hurt. But instead, they had to import a free agent who's also not very good. And then Antoine Williams is the other fifth-round pick. The line's cut. And Jake Rudock was the sixth-round pick who was on the quarterback out of Michigan who's on the practice squad. So, so far, I would say you have three, two starters in Glasgow and Taylor Decker, one of whom is average at best and one of whom is subpar. And then a defensive tackle who I guess you could say he's a, a starter, Ashawn Robinson. I mean, if he's not, he's, he, he essentially may as well be. 
who's also average at best. Two guys who are average at best, and one guy subpar as your three as, as starters, and then Miles Killebrew, who's uh, strictly a special teams guy. And by the way, the Lions special teams units, uh, unit has been one of the worst in the NFL this year also, to the point where they had to fire the special teams coach last week. Uh, and then, you know, a practice squad QB and a backup offensive lineman. I mean, I'm sorry. That's, that's a C-minus at best draft, if I'm grading it. C-minus at best. Let's take a look at the 2017 draft, shall we? Last year's draft. First-round pick, Jared Davis, one of the worst middle linebackers in football. I've been watching the line since 1978, 40 years. 40 years. Lions used to have a, a rich tradition and history of outstanding middle linebackers going back all the way to the Ch- uh, Joe Schmidt days. And when I was a kid, when I first started rooting for the Lions, they had a guy named Ken Fantetti, number 57, who was a very good linebacker. But the linebacker, the Lions linebacking core always was good. Right? You had uh, Ken Fantetti, Jimmy Williams, Mike Kofer in the 80s, I'm going. Chris Spielman, of course. One of the best middle linebackers the Lions have ever had. Stephen Boyd after him. Tremendous. And guess what? When the Lions first started turning the corner under Jim Schwartz, it, that whole defense changed when they assigned Stephen Tulloch, who was tremendous for the Lions for about four years. Until he blew out his knee and was never the same player, unfortunately. Jared Davis just it can't cut it. He's slow, he, has slow, he has bad instincts. He's slow to react. He's not big enough to, to take on blockers and shed them and make tackles. And, and, until he, and by the time he does, the, the plays eight yards plus down the field. He's shaky in coverage. The one thing he's decent at is blitzing. I'm sorry. From a first-round pick middle linebacker, you need a lot more than that. He's basically a specialized player right now, even though the Lions have him on the field for every snap. Because they are apparently stubborn and determined to jam this square peg into a round hole and insist that he's good, even though he's terrible. By any measure, Jared Davis is a terrible middle linebacker. I'm sorry. I understand everybody roots for him. I know Lions fans get mad at me when I say he stinks on Twitter, and you got to give him more time. It's only his second year, and it's his first year in Patricia's system. That's fine. I'm not saying he's always going to be terrible, but what I'm telling you is that he is terrible now. So if you want to understand why the Lions can't ever stop anybody in the run game, look no further than your middle linebacker is terrible. Right now. I'm not interested in next year. I'm talking about what I'm seeing right now. Now, am I saying the Lions should cut him? No. Would I be upset if they did? No. He has made zero improvements this year. In fact, the last two games, he's regressed. You know, last year, his rookie year, he actually showed up against the run at times. He hasn't done it at all this year. So that's your first round pick. Your second round pick is Tease Tabor. Already mentioned him. Third round pick, the Lions traded down, could have sat, sat tight, could have just stood pat and sat tight and drafted Kareem Hunt. But no, 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 no. Bob Quinn knew better. We, the Lions didn't need a running back. We had Amir Abdullah. Oh, you mean the same guy you just cut? Uh-huh. 
And yeah, I understand Kerryon Johnson's a good player, but you also had to trade up to get him and give away a third-round pick. But so Bob Quinn traded down out of the third round, could have taken Kareem Hunt, didn't, took Kenny Galladay, who, look, he's shown flashes. He looks like he should be a pretty good above-average wide receiver. Uh, you know, he, he looked really good in the first game of the year against the Jets. He had some splash plays against the Niners. I mean, look, he, he's got ability. I'm not saying he doesn't. But, you know, he's also not Calvin Johnson. So let's everybody just pump the brakes. He looks like he should be a really good number two wide receiver in the NFL. Okay, that's solid for a third-round pick. And then they got an extra fourth. And they use that pick on an outside, an undersized, injured outside linebacker from Tennessee named Jalen Reeves-Maben, who's done absolutely nothing so far. Plays almost exclusively on special teams also. Giving you no impact plays whatsoever. The other fourth-round pick was Michael Roberts, who I was big on. Did a draft show about him, one of the lines to draft him. I predicted that they would take him in the fourth round. They did. Other than the Miami game when he had two touchdowns, he's done very little. He had a touchdown against San Francisco, too. He's been banged up. Lines seem to make no effort to get him involved in the passing game. I don't understand why. But so far, he's been a disappointment. Uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter was a sixth-round pick, defensive lineman. Not with the team anymore. But okay, you know, sixth round pick. I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy. And then the fifth round pick was Jamal Agnew, who looks like a great pick, actually. Um, you know, great punt returner last year, was playing more on defense this year, unfortunately got hurt. So, I mean, right now, your first round pick's a bust. Your second round pick's a bust. Third round pick in Galladay, pretty good. And Agnew, pretty good. And you get nothing out of Michael Roberts. You get nothing out of uh, Jalen Reeves-Maven. That's that's a D, folks. That's a D, that draft class. Big fat D. So, so far you got a C-, minus, which I think is probably generous. It's like my old Latin teacher would give me a C- minus just because he liked me. <laughs> I, I'd have no business passing his class, but he liked me, so he'd give me C-. minus. He writes C- minus gift on the top of the paper. I, I'm giving a C- minus gift. To Bob Quinn for uh, his first draft. Last ne- last year's draft, a D. This year's draft, you know, jury obviously still way out. We'll say it looks promising. Frank Ragnow looks promising as a starting left guard. Karen Johnson looks like a very, you know, thing about Karen Johnson is he's not flashy, he's not spectacular, he's good at everything. He runs hard, he gets yards after contact. He can cut and make guys miss. He has good vision. He can catch the ball. He blocks. Like, he's really good at everything. He's a really good back. So, he looks like a real player. Certainly somebody to, 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 to build around. Um, third round pick. They have a third round pick. They traded the third round pick. Um, fourth round pick 
was Deshaun Hand, defensive lineman at Alabama. Looks like he's pretty good. And the let's see, what am I? Boy, you know, I'll tell you, it's getting old stuffs for the birds. There's there there was a time when I would be able to give you the Lions draft from 15 years ago. Every player one through eight, and instead now I've got to go look up who they took. <laughs> oh, sorry. They took Tracy Walker in the third round. Right. Mr. I commit a penalty on special teams every week, and my one good play of the year got called back due to a penalty, granted on another player. All right. The, the, the safety, no wonder I couldn't remember him. They drafted a safety at a Louisiana Lafayette that they overdrafted by two rounds. Every, every prognosticator in the world, every draft guide in the world had this guy rated as a fifth-round pick. The Lions took him in the third round, and they showed video footage of Patricia and Bob Quinn high-fiving in the war room like they just won the Super Bowl. That's right. How could I forget that? What, that, that moment knew that, I, that, that we were doomed from the start. When you see that kind of idiotic arrogance from your general manager and your coach, that's when you know... That your team is doomed. That's right. Tracy Walker in the third round. Uh, they took Terrell Crosby in the fifth round. Promising offensive tackle out of Oregon. Uh, dra- oh, and then... Uh, oh, sorry. Patricia... Patricia. Quinn also drafted a, a long snapper in the sixth round, his first draft. How could I forget that? Even though John Muleback is one of the best long snappers in the NFL and is still on the lines, by the way. But, see, Matt Patricia's cute. I mean, Matt Patricia, Christ. Bob Quinn is cute. See, he's smarter than you are. Smarter than I am. Smarter than everybody. Smartest guy in the room. So he's going to waste a pick on a long snapper when it wasn't even a need. Even if it were a need at the time, which it wasn't, you don't draft long snappers in any round. Because there are a million of them, and they're a dime a dozen, and you go get one as an undrafted free agent. And I don't want to hear this nonsense that, oh, you know, you might get into a bidding war. It's harder to get, you know, at, at most you draft one in the seventh round. Certainly not the sixth, because you can get good players in the sixth. To wit, Theo Riddick. I digress. He drafted a fullback in the seventh round this year, Nick Bowden. Because, again, fullbacks are hard to come by, I'm sure. Ooh, but if they let him go to an undrafted free agent status, they might have had to compete against another team to sign him. Fine. Then go sign one of the other 400 fullbacks. By the way, the guy was getting beat out by Nick Ballora, converted linebacker, and then he blew out his knee, so he's not even on the team. So, listen. Bob Quinn has shown me. He doesn't understand what the... To, to paraphrase my Mel Kuyper from years ago, Bob Quinn shows me he doesn't understand what the draft is all about. When you're, futz, when you're trading up and you're futzing around and getting cute by drafting long snappers and fullbacks, okay, and you draft a middle linebacker who can't play, and you draft a corner that the whole world has concerns about because he, he can't run, but you're the only guy that thinks he's worthy of a second-round pick. I mean, you, it, you've shown you don't know what you're doing. I don't even want to get into the free agent signings. I mean, look at the free agents this year. Like Garrett Blount. I called it on Twitter at the time, lazy and uninspiring. I got killed by Lions fans. How's that working out? He had six carries for four yards last week. He's a power back who tippy-toes. The only time he ever gets ahead of steam is when he's already past the line of scrimmage. He's not a good short yardage runner. He stinks. 
the, the very epitome of sports nepotism because he played for the Patriots, so we got to sign him. I mean, I'm all for getting guys from your old team as long as they're good. LeGarrette Brown isn't any good. LeGarrette Brown, the, 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 the aforementioned Kerry Wiggins, who isn't any good. Sylvester Williams, defensive lineman, cut. Ricky Jean Francois, just the guy. Jonathan Freeney, linebacker, backup linebacker from the Patriots, just a guy. I don't even think he's on a team anymore. I'll give him credit for Romeo Okwara, who he picked up right before the beginning of the season after he cut Anthony Zettel. That's about it. And he did trade for Damon Snacks Harrison. But, I mean, look, the track record is not very good. All right, Marvin Jones was his one big free agent signing. That was pretty good. Devin Kennard, he's been okay. He's got five sacks. It's a very inflated number. Most of them are for the coverage of the coverage variety. And he hasn't had a sack in a month. He's been basically invisible. The last, these last three games, the Lions have gotten their asses kicked. Devin Kennard has not done a damn thing. He signed Tavon Wilson as a free agent a couple years ago. He's okay. Decent rotational safety and special teams player. Not a bad player at all. He'll, he'll lay the wood. Okay. And he doesn't cost a ton of money. Deshaun Shedd, he was so bad that they got rid of him. Then they got guys hurt. They brought him back, and he was absolutely atrocious against the Bears this week. Got beat for a 40-yard touchdown on a third and 15. Now, what in the hell is he doing single covering Allen Robinson and playing press coverage on third and 15? That would be a question better suited for the, uh, the head coach or the defensive coordinator, except they're not going to give you anything. So, because again, we're back to the Patriot way, which is state C. Every piece of information, do be it injuries or anything else, is, is, are state secrets. So what we basically have, folks, is a knockoff version of the Patriots with all the condescension and arrogance and just overall creepiness the way the, the, the head coach up there in New England treats the media. You get all that, except none of the success. None of the winning. It's quite a combo. I mean, at this point, seriously, it's 40 years for me, you know, however long for my dad, what, 62? So what, 55 years for him? I mean, I, seriously, at what point do you, I mean, th- you just have to laugh. I mean, and I, listen, I'm my own worst enemy. I am part of the problem. I get it. I thought that I bought into the, the, the idiotic hype. Oh, Bob Quinn, you came from New England. They really know what they're doing up there. Except everybody that leaves New England fails. <laughs> the only guy that's had a modicum of success in the pros is Bill O'Brien. The only one. And he's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, he's been fine. He's been okay with Houston. But, I mean, Romeo Cornell, nice man, great defensive coordinator. Never had any success as a head coach. Charlie Weiss flamed out famously at about, you know, in the pros, at Notre Dame, at Kansas. I mean, he was a horror show as a head coach. Uh, Little rat face Josh McDaniels, we saw his flame out uh, in Denver. And then after the Colts were dumb enough to give him a second chance, left him at the altar. Agreed to the job and then backed out at the last minute. 
not even at the last minute, backed out after he already took the job. And now my man, Frank Reich from Maryland, is the coach, and he seems to be doing a good job with that team. They dodged a bullet there. They got lucky. So, I mean, none of the assistants are going to work out. And we think we're going to think the one team <laughs> to break the curse of the Patriots' assistants is going to be the Lions? I mean, the Lions would be the last team that would break that curse. I mean, I guess maybe the, the, the concept is so ridiculous that maybe in some sort of Clouseauian way, by dumb luck, it might work out. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, get, I get it. It's Patricia's, you know, it's not even his first full season. But the, the early returns are not promising. <laughs> <laughs> the early reviews are not promising. I mean, look, this is all you need to know with the Lions. They're down 13 nothing on Sunday against the Bears, and uh, they, you know they desperately need to get back in the game, right? Bears have scored two touchdowns now. Uh, Robbie, uh, uh, Cody Parkey, the giant. Again, by, by the way, with a name like that, you're gonna you're already got two strikes against. It's gonna be very hard to be good with a name like Cody Parkey. But in any event. He clangs an extra point, so it's only 13-0 now, not 14-0. Lions get the ball back. First play after the giant, uh, the Bears just scored a touchdown. Kerryon Johnson, who had had a nice series of series, the opening drive of the game, and then the Lions, Stafford took a bad sack, knocked him out of field goal range. Oh, and then the Lions didn't have enough guys on the field to kick a field goal, so they called a timeout. It was a 55-yard field goal in Soldier Field, outdoors, right? So you could debate, and I understand Prater's a great kicker, but you could debate that decision in and of itself. I don't think it was a smart one early in the game, down 7 nothing. But I wouldn't have minded if you went for it there, but they decided to kick it. Okay, but then they don't have enough guys on the field, so they have to call a timeout. But then they opt to not kick the field goal. Well, if you're not going to kick the field goal, then who, why are you wasting timeouts to, stop, to, to avoid a five-yard penalty for delay a game because you don't have enough guys on the field. Just let the clock expire, back it up five yards, give your punter extra room, and kick the ball. Now, granted, Sam Martin would either shank it or put it in the end zone, but I'm just saying that's terrible coaching by Matt Patricia there. If Jim Caldwell did that, he'd be getting excoriated. That's horrendous coaching. That's terrible game management by the head coach. Anyway, I digress. They're, back, they're down 13 nothing. For some reason, LeGarrette, for reasons known only to the Lions, LeGarrette Blount's in the game. They hand him the ball and gain uh, no yards. Second down, pass to Theo Riddick, gets nine yards. Of course, can't get, fight for the extra yard to get a first down. Bring up a, a short third and one. They give the ball to Kerryon Johnson, their best running back? No. They even give it to LeGarrette Blount, who's supposedly there for these exact situations? Nope. They give the ball to Nick Ballore. Mentioned him earlier. Converted linebacker to a fullback. It was the first carry of his career. So in arguably the most important series in the Lions season to date, on the road, in the division, you're 3-5. and five. You need this win in the worst way to get back into the mix and make your season relevant. And you're already down 13 nothing. You think it wise to hand the ball off to a converted linebacker into a fullback, and that's his first carry of his career. What do you think happened? Spoiler alert, didn't go well. Got stopped short. And 
by the way, instead of going for it on fourth and less than a yard and understanding the gravity of the situation, Patricia elected to punt. The Bears scored another touchdown, made it, and the guy missed another extra point, made it 19 nothing. Do you understand? Cody Parkey, the Bears kicker, and he shouldn't be the Bears kicker for long, missed a, uh, missed a field goal against the Dolphins and would have won that game. And against the Lions, missed two extra points, a 36-yard field goal, and a 41-yard field goal. Sorry, you can't have that on your team. If you and the Bears now are in first place in the division at six and three, you can't have a, a kicker that's unreliable like that. Can't have it. And of course, the the Lions have a great kicker, but he's of no use to them because they're never going to be in a game apparently. Oh, so that's what you. I mean, so thirteen nothing. You have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Carryon Johnson are your three best players. Neither of them touched the ball on the most important series of the game at that point in the game down 13 nothing. You had LeGarrette Blount and Nick Ballore touch the ball two out of the three plays on that possession. That's all you need to know. And if that's Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, and by the way, that is his real name, or if that's Patricia, I don't care. It's unacceptable. That's terrible coaching. Not to mention the fact at the end of the first half, the Lions actually got a stop deep in the Bears' territory. They only had one timeout left because they burned one earlier. Actually, I think they wasted two timeouts. Another one was on defense. So they were down to only one. But if Patricia, after a second and, a second and ten run, gained no, no yards, could have called timeout, stopped the clock with about 50 seconds left, and forced the Bears to run a play on third and ten, Lions would have gotten the ball back with a little time, try to kick a field goal. Plus, they were starting with the ball to start the third quarter, and they had scored a touchdown at the end of the first half. So you could have gotten maybe like 16 unanswered and gotten it to, you know, 26-10 at the half, and then you score a touchdown maybe to start the third quarter. Now you're down, and you get the two-point conversion. Now you're one score. It's 26-18. Didn't even bother using the timeout. Went into the half with the timeout in his back pocket for reasons, again, known only to him. But this guy's supposed to be some difference maker, right? I mean, look, Jim Caldwell had a couple of gaffes, the nine men on the field, the ten men on the field. I get it. And that falls to the head coach. It's probably more on the coordinator or the position coaches. I think those are the guys that opt to communicate what personnel groupings are in the game. But he's a head coach, and it falls on him. And by the way, he took it like a man because Jim Caldwell was nothing if he wasn't a stand-up guy. But... Now, did he get a little testy with the media every now and then? Yeah, of course he did. When you're a Lions head coach, by the way, you're always going to get testy with the media because <laughs> you'll see things that you never thought you'd see in your life. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, this team, I mean, my dad says it all the time. They are, they are a perfect metaphor for life. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. It really is. So, I mean, Patricia's exhibited zero evidence that he's a cut above or ahead of the curve or a step ahead of the opposing coaches. Not even close. He's made multiple in-game blunders this year. I just gave you three. You know, later in the game in the second half, uh, the Lions had to call a timeout on defense because they didn't have the right guys on, on, on the field. You see guys all over the place pointing at each other. No one knows where to line up. I mean, I'm sorry. You can put that on the players, and of course part of that's on the players, but it starts with the head coach. And again, this guy's supposed to be smarter than everybody, right? He's not smarter than anybody. You know, all those, oh, he's an engineer. He worked at RPI. He did this. He did that. I, it, 
haven't seen any. He hasn't exhibited any of that yet. Zero creativity, not aggressive, and can't even get the basics right, like clock management, when to call timeouts and when not to. And he already showed he doesn't know how to when, when and when to not go for two points. He did it in the Miami game. Now, it didn't bite him, but it almost did. Chasing points up two touchdowns like a dope. And so now the inevitable has happened. Now the Twitterverse is alive with the let's get rid of Matt Stafford crowd. You've got even the media. Most of the media has been measured and have said, rightfully so, that while he is certainly the least of their problems, but he hasn't had a great year. And I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with that. First of all, a couple of things. One, you want to get rid of Matt Stafford? Who are you bringing in? Who are you going to get that's better than Matthew Stafford? Who? You know, I would imagine none of these fans remember John Kitna, Ty Detmer, Dante Culpepper, um, Stoney Case, China Doll Charlie Batch. Now, listen, I like Charlie Batch. He's a great guy and had a hell of a career as a backup for the Steelers after he left the Lions. But the guy was always hurt when he played for the Lions. Always. Mike McMahon, no offense, Dan Orlovsky, who does great work, by the way, breaking down game film on Twitter. Check him out. But, I mean, these, my point is, these were the Lions quarterbacks before Matthew Stafford, okay? Who are you going to get that's better than Matthew Stafford? You want to get rid of him and sign who? Tyrod Taylor? Sam Bradford? Come on. So that's number one. Number two, his contract is such that you're not getting rid of him because the cap would be enormous. So no one's going to take him and give you back what you would want for a franchise quarterback because he still is. I understand he's not having a good year. Guess what? Drew Brees also didn't have a great year a couple years ago when the entire team around him sucked like this team this year. And I don't want to hear about the Bradys and the Rodgers. They elevate their teams. Okay? The Patriots are a whole other level okay first of all they get away with whatever the hell they want to do right they can do whatever they want doesn't matter they're a whole other level i still haven't figured that whole thing out yet and as far as rogers yeah he's not as good as rogers i get it no one's saying he is but he's a cut above almost every other guy in the league. Now, look, I understand Pat Mahomes is having a phenomenal year. You know, Drew, Drew Brees is great. Look, I'm not saying he's on Drew Brees' level. But Matthew Stafford, as I've said a million times, is better than two-thirds of the quarterbacks in the league. And so if you were to trade him, you'd want two first-round picks back for him. You're not getting that. It's, he makes too much money. And you're not cutting him because then you get nothing and you still get the cap hit. So he's not going anywhere. So then the question is... You know, again, is it Matthew Stafford's fault? The offensive line is terrible? That if Darius Slade doesn't play, nobody in the secondary can guard anybody? I mean, the next time Nevin Lawson turns his head back and locates the ball and knocks it away, it'll be the first. Is it Matthew Stafford's fault? The middle linebacker stinks? Or that Bob Quinn drafted a cornerback in the second round who runs a 4-7-40? I think I might have run a 4-7-40 at one point in my life. <laughs> I mean, you know, granted when I was playing high school football, but nevertheless, I, these are not Matthew Stafford's problems. 
So is it Matthew Stafford's fault that they traded his best receiver and his number one security blanket and his number one outlet, Golden Tate? No. So, in fact, the Lions don't have a credible receiving threat from uh, at the tight end position this year. Or that LeGarrette Blount is past his prime and was never that good to begin with. I mean, or that the Lions' defensive line generates no pass rush. <laughs> It's not Matthew Stafford's fault, folks. It's just not. Now, yes, I get it. He's not having a great year. These are facts. These are not excuses. These are just facts. And by the way, let me ask you this, anti-Matthew Stafford crowd. Let's say for argument's sake he played great this year. How many more games did they win? If he played great against the Bears, would the Lions have won that game? Was the Lions defense ever going to stop the Bears when it mattered? If you play great against Minnesota, was the Lions defense ever going to stop Minnesota when it mattered? No. The Jets game? Is it Matthew Stafford's fault that the Lions special teams are the worst in the NFL? So, even if he played great in a couple of these games that they lost, they still would have lost. He's still my guy. I'm willing to give him a bad, give him a pass this year. New coach, lousy team around him. Obviously, the number one question is now: you got to play as many young guys as you can, see if any of them are any good. And then, obviously, I mean, I guess he's not going anywhere. But is Bob Quinn the right guy to lead the Lions out of this morass? And I would say the answer, based on my earlier. <laughs> Uh, thesis is no because he put this team together for the most part and guess what the, any of the guys that aren't on the team are all the best that, that, that he didn't bring in are the best players Stafford was here before he got here Golden Tate was here before he got here now he's gone but he was the, the best receiver um, Ziggy Ansah who again I know never plays because he's hurt but he's the best defensive lineman Darius Slay was here before he got here Quandre Diggs was here before Quinn got here. Nevin Lawson was here before Quinn got here. Glover Quinn, who unfortunately is done, was a wonderful player for the Lions for four or five years. But, you know, Father Time just has caught up to him. Now he's done. But he was here before Quinn got here. I mean, all the Lions' best players were all here before Quinn got here. So what does that tell you? All right. Unfortunately, we have to cut it short. Uh... Other engagements demand my time, so we weren't able to get to the rest of the NFL or the Knicks. But we'll be back next week. Fear not, dear listener. As always, thanks for listening. Check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can also check me out on Twitter, at JamalAboutSport and OS, Facebook page, JamalAboutSports, and also the website, JamalAboutSports.com. Enjoy all the sports. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, peace out.